0: Hey team, this is the Innovation Inc. podcast and I'm your host, Liz Brown-Evans. We sit down with our favorite entrepreneurs and nerd out on anything that involves innovation in the corporate space. So if you work for a corporate company, but you think like an entrepreneur, we're your people and we're really excited you're here. Before we jump in, a huge thank you to our sponsor and Inc. 5000 company, APAC Software. They create powerful custom software, websites, and mobile apps that take your business's innovative ideas and turn them into realities. Reach out today to get a quote at apexsoftware.com. All right, everyone, let's get to it. Hey guys, it's Liz. You're about to listen to our newest episode with Landon Borders of Bullard. They are one of the oldest companies in Lexington, founded in 1898. They uh, manufacture personal protective equipment. But here's why I think you'll love it. Landon's got really interesting experience, works for big ass fans, works for Bullard now, a really young, high growth company to a very established, successful company. Um, You're gonna love it. And last thing I'll leave you with, There are a few times I have been as scared and potentially embarrassed professionally as I was in this episode, but it was too funny to cut out. So I'm going to let you listen to that treat. Have fun, guys. Today, we've got with us Landon Borders of Bullard. We are accidentally bringing in quite a few uh, big-ass fan alumni, so I'm excited about. Um, we've got a couple other couple other friends, it sounds like, that we're bringing on back-to-back. But Landon has been a really big supporter of um, Innovation Incubated slash Venture Labs from the get-go. He sits on our Corporate Innovation Roundtable. Um, he's worked with big small startup companies, you name it. So Landon, I'll let you get us started. Give us a little bit of your experience and we'll get into it.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, glad to be here. Um, my experience. Well, let's see. I've, I've spent about 20 years in product development in various uh, various companies, starting at Lexmark, making all in one printers, uh, I worked there for several years. Came to Bullard, uh, working on safety equipment from uh, uh, long-wave infrared thermal imaging cameras, which which are amazing products, uh, to respirators. I, I was enticed by this company here in town called Big Ass Fans. They were doing some really cool things, kind of a startup. And uh, I went to go work for them. Did a lot of fun stuff, uh, introducing IoT products, uh, working in product management and R and D uh and and uh, eventually wound up back at bullard uh, they they uh, invited me to come back and lead the product development group uh which i obliged and we've been on kind of a growth uh, trajectory over these last several years so that's me in a nutshell, I guess.
0: I like it. So it sounds like you are good or bad friends, depending on the day with Alex Reed. which if you're joining today, go back and listen to one of our previous episodes. Alex, formerly also with Big Ass, went on to found Truman's and exited recently. Really interesting story. Um, it's We're interviewing a couple interesting people who used to be at Big Ass, are now at different companies. So... I would love to dig in a little bit into kind of what we made Alex do. Of let's talk about what your experience was like at Big Ass Fans and then get into maybe how that compares um, in interesting ways with Bullard now. Um, so again, I would really encourage people to go back and listen to what Alex had to say. So build off a little bit of that. What, um, man, Big Ass Fans is is a whole mood of innovation. <laughs> what was it like working there?
1: Yeah. And I was this might be awkward. I don't know who Alex Reed is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sorry. No, I'm totally kidding. Alex is a good friend of mine. <laughs> I wish I wish people could see the reaction on Liz's face right now. My Lizza's eyes just bugged right out now. of
0: my head. Did you put him no. up to that? No. I'm glaring at Garrett.
1: No. No, Alex, I, I, I love that guy. Hopefully he's not listening to hear me. Uh, talk about him in that way, but he's he's a great great guy, great friend, we're and he walk was a- around the block <laughs> before we keep going. Yeah, and he, he was a great colleague at at Big Ass Fans. So okay, you know when I got to Big Ass, it was in 2014. Okay, and and we were on kind of this uh, growth pattern. It was it was really we really wanted to grow the top line, and it was kind of an all costs at all costs uh, scenario. So um, we knew that uh, we had great brand equity, right? We, we, we had great customers. We were, when I got there, really trying to get into the home and really trying to get into the internet of things and be a thought leader in that space, which is where I spent a lot of time. Uh, i partnering with Alex, you know, I was, I was on more of the R and D product development side. He was on more of the marketing side. So we were, we were partners in crime through, through a lot of this, but So where where to begin, right? So I I, I think back and I think about um, being on the front end of uh, innovation and and getting into the internet of things space right it was kind of the buzzword back then there was a lot of interest in in that there was uh, lots of large acquisitions most notably the nest acquisition by google for 2.3 billion dollars or something crazy right we knew yep. there was a lot of hype around that but but uh more importantly we knew that we had a good product we we had a good brand and we knew that we we had a lot of opportunity to innovate so the the challenging part was there was no playbook, right? There was no, you couldn't go back and look at how somebody did this before or go copy somebody's homework and figure out how to make smart products or apps or or what people really cared about in this space or, or some of the user experience challenges that you had, right? So there was a lot of learning. Uh, it, it it I'm sure on the outside looking in, it kind of looked like we knew what we were doing, but we didn't, right? We were just, we, we did, um, we, we embraced kind of a fail fast uh, mentality and we were we, we were very passionate and nimble uh, and we we launched a lot of really cool products the first smart fan we had a smart light that we uh that we had launched some controls some app interfaces we didn't know anything about apps right uh, we were just kind of winging it I mean, you but said
0: 2012 2014 these are Right, that was at the beginning. Right, things uh, are just getting started.
1: Yeah, that's 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 right. So, uh, but you know what, we did have some 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 really good uh, friends. I talked about Nest earlier. Um, you know, we we had a really good partnership with them, and uh, that was that provided some inroads for us to to join Thread Group, which was a uh, you know a really really cool um, wireless technology that was really designed. For the home and connected devices, so I uh, I uh, I served on the board of directors for for Thread Group with the likes of Nest, with the likes of ARM, and some of these other giant technology companies. Wow. And here here we are. What are we doing? Like we're big, big ass big fans, ass fans right? from we, Kentucky. We've got some cool use cases, right? And uh, and uh, but I think when I look back on that, they, I think they saw us as kind of that startup that had some some cool use cases that had a lot of upside and opportunity. And that's why they really embraced us. Um, but uh, the, the point of that is just that it, it provided a lot of inroads into um, uh, to meeting folks in, in Google and folks over at Amazon and, and really becoming kind of thought leaders in this in that space. So here we are, you know, this the small company that was making ceiling fans. To now, kind of thought leaders in in this uh, in the IoT space, and running around Silicon Valley with these folks, so it was it was a ton of fun uh, doing that. Um, you know, as you might imagine, in that environment, things were just changing so rapidly. Right? We had a we had our our big fan business, which was the the, you know, the heart and soul of the company that was really funding a lot of this. And we had this new residential products that we were introducing and launching and, and, uh, and growing, but, but, uh, we wanted to get into this space. We wanted to get into that space. Right. And, and our, our owner had this, um, this passion, I guess, for, for R and D and for the extraordinary. And, uh, and, uh, so I had the opportunity to work in, in this R and D space, kind of this, this kind of uh, we called it the kitchen, and uh, a lot of a lot of guys. You, you're smiling, uh, so you've you've heard of this, I'm I've sure. Somebody's heard, probably, I've
0: heard wind of it.
1: You've you've caught wind, uh, but it was you know we were doing some just some way out there stuff, you know, uh, working on um, grow lights and working on these other things. So it was it was really fun uh, and interesting to be in that kind of anything's possible type environment uh, to work on so many things. Uh, and to be growing so fast, right? There was uh, lots. I learned a ton. I learned a ton. Um, So I I do look back fondly.
0: How big was your team at Big Ass Fans? When? I I guess that's what's (laughs) interesting to me is the ebb and flow of the R&D versus the residential because those are not necessarily the same team when you say those two things.
1: No, and that's that's what happens when you're in a, a startup company like this, you know, the you know, I guess organizationally, things change so rapidly. Right. And, and being nimble. And I was just talking to uh, one of my colleagues at Bullard, who was also a former big asser, Stephen Bird, Great guy. He's our marketing leader at at, uh, at Bullard. But we were just reminiscing uh, that we learn how to pack light. And uh, sure. I guess there's there's kind of something something to, to, to that, really, when you think about it um, at a different level. But but to us, what we were really speaking about was, you know, we, we had like a notebook. Uh, a computer and a monitor and and a pen, right? When I first got there, I was like, oh, here's my family photos. And here's, and you know, and that just kind of went out because, and my my point of that is that we were just growing so rapidly. We were changing uh, a lot and, and uh, you had to be nimble, right? You had to be ready to literally pack up and move to a different location. I don't know, every three months, but I think it's in, I don't know. I think, it's symbolic, if you will, of a startup, right? You, you've got to wear a lot of hats. You have to be prepared to do a lot of different things and to uh, change with the, you know, what whatever your customers want you to do or whatever the owner is interested in doing differently. So, um, I, you know, it. there's also, you know, I, I do speak finally. there was a lot of really there was a lot of difficulties too, right? And in uh, for me, I, 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 I've learned to adapt and work well with change, right? Just embrace it and go with it. But uh, for others, it can be a real challenge to have to... Uh, to be to be going right, and then to immediately change the next day and go left. So, I know uh, you know what we talked about is having you know the the flavor of the day, the idea of the day uh, was usually just a day long, and and you know the next day we were we were kind of focused on something else. But um, anyway, we embraced that, and um, and uh, it was a it was a wild ride.
0: Learned a lot. It mm-hmm. sounds like. So what I find so interesting about your experience to transition a little bit to Bullard is you were working for this incredibly fast-moving startup, small company, and then you transition to this age-old, well-established, they've got budgets and strategy and tradition. I mean, because you find almost two different brands to work for, but product development is needed everywhere. So it's a huge question. What has been some of the differences in corporate innovation? What did that transition look like?
1: Yeah, uh, well, you know, as I mentioned, I, I had been there before, so I, I kind of knew what I was getting into. But you're right to point out the fact that, on one hand, we were in a, a startup, rapid growth, grow at all costs type environment, uh, to to a well established co- company, one that had a well established supply chain and distribution and customer base, et cetera. So, um, I think you know what what attracted me to Bullard and why I'm there today is that. Um, I love what we do, right? I was I was really attracted to not only the people there, but the purpose, right? Um, so we make we make products that save people's lives, and uh, at the end of the day, wow, you know what? When there's one thing to make ceiling fans and really cool products, but when you think about that, it's it's extremely gratifying professionally in a whole different way, right? Um, so yeah, great people, great products, well-established company. And I I also saw a a substantial amount of growth potential. Um, You know, just it's it's nice to have worked in uh, companies that have had such a well-established brand. And I know in the startup community, uh, that is such a hard thing to do is really to establish the brand, establish the recognition, establish your customers. So it's really nice to kind of walk into a scenario where that's been done already and to really focus on. The customers and understanding what their problems are, and try to solve for them in ways that maybe they've not thought of before. Um, so, uh, you know, I think uh, one of the things we we talk about at at Bullard is is having a very long vision. You know, we it's it's family owned and operated, sixth generation. Like it has, it's it's been that way for 123 years, right? Uh, it, it's a it's an environment where there's no uh, there's no. In game, other than to be around for another 123 years. That's it. It's a very long view. And uh, that's very unique. And I, I realize that it's not something you see very often. So it it it, it provides for a, a quite a contrast in, in environment and culture and how we think about the business and how we think about growing the business. Right. And I've said a, a few times already intentionally that there was a grow at all costs mentality. Right. Our our owner at 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 Big Ass, wasn't necessarily watching the bottom line; he was watching that top line, and that's what really mattered. But you, you transition into a well-established business, then you start to think about other metrics that really matter, and and how you're using those to really drive growth and drive the business.
0: Talk a little bit about let's dive into innovation more specifically at Bullard. Um, again, we've sort of set the stage for you guys have this long vision. You have you have the luxury of having patience to grow doesn't. there's no pressurized growth decisions. But we also have been very into the business wars podcast lately. If anyone's looking for, Another one to listen to. You should still listen to this one. But um, the he puts out, a, uh, it's called Business Wars, and they compare and contrast. Have you heard of it? No. Um, so they'll do like Netflix versus Hulu or Uber versus Lyft. The one I just listened to for the comic nerds out there was Marvel versus DC.
1: Oh, and okay. It goes, I'm going to listen now. It goes into yeah. the
0: history of, of kind of these brands competing. But the point is, um, I listened to the Marvel DC one. DC was top dog for decades, and they just couldn't care less about Marvel. And I believe, if I remember correctly, it was into the, the '60s, '70s. You know, the scrappy little, the scrappy little underdog to, took him over and has never really looked back. Um, so, all that to say, you know, disruption sneaks up on you quickly. And I know that's top of mind for lots of longstanding large companies. So, let's talk a little bit about innovation. What's the motivation there? What's the response to risk? Or how do you guys think about corporate innovation? Yeah,
1: well, you touched on something there that that's that is. Uh you know something we're very aware of and and the reason i'm at bullard is is we we had become complacent as it as it relates to introducing new products or solving our customers problems and that's one of the reasons why i, uh, I came back I, like i mentioned there was, there was a lot of opportunity and uh uh you know we have very patient capital we have a very patient board very patient ceo uh and i i hope uh if you're listening right now please be patient with me <laughs> now um the uh, <clears throat> my point is the it gives us time to to stop and think and and really uh, understand our customers, which is where we really spend a lot of our time. And I like to think of um, innovation as the the intersection of technology and unmet needs. Right. Hmm. So um, I think the technology in our case it, we're not uh, we're not developing tech, new technologies. Right. We're sure. we're integrators. So we knew that uh, we had to really focus on understanding our customers and their needs, and and we have uh, a lot of them, right? We we uh, the safety the safety business is a, is a fairly large business, and we like to think of ourselves as niche players, but they're still pretty broad. So. Um, I think we've, we've spent a great deal of time uh, over these past few years really trying to get intimate with our customers and really trying to understand their problems and how we can solve for them. And uh, that's really been, uh, and, I, and I mentioned this to you before, Liz, offline, but we're, we've been spending a lot of time in our strategic planning right now at the company and really uh, trying to understand where we're, we're really strong. And it's we've come to realize that, yeah, we've got great products, right? Uh, customers really love us. They're really loyal to our brands. But there's so much that we can do. Uh, to be even more intimate with our customers and to really provide an outstanding experience for them, I mean just across the whole life cycle of of the product or our touch points with our customers, so
0: well, I imagine your customers have a pretty intimate relationship with your products, if
1: you will i mean they it do. is as you
0: said saving their life right, so you guys have a really unique like touch point as you're saying with you're, customers
1: you're right and uh and it's it's crazy they uh they are very loyal and uh you know, even even things like hard hats, right? You'll see them around. It's that's one of the products we make, and you'll see that they. But to the be product. clear, it's one of the products you guys invented. We invented it, yes. We just and need to not, get that
0: shout out abundantly not, clear. Not
1: me, uh, but, well, but yeah, one of our <laughs> you're previous not owners. 123. That's years right. Old. Uh, but it, no, it is very personal to them, and in fact, that's why they call it personal protective equipment. But it is personal to them, and and it's fun to have customers that are so passionate about you know, uh, what they, what things like this, right. I mean, safety equipment, you could imagine in some cases could be very dull, but, uh, like you said, they, they know it. it's, it's saving their lives and it, and it helps them go home to their wife and kids every night. So when we meet with them, they're, they're, they're very open with us and passionate. And, uh, and that helps a lot, right. It helps us to really understand their problems. It helps us to take, uh, our, our, our growth objectives of the company and kind of marry those to those their problems and the technologies that we're working on and to really provide for an excellent roadmap uh, for us to follow to meet their needs and to grow the company. So that's that's just where we've been spending a lot of our time. And it's not uh, a, re, you know, we're keenly aware of our competition, right? Uh, but we don't have, um, you know, we, we're not a publicly traded company. We don't have shareholders that are really trying to sway the business one way or the other or or uh or or we're not doing anything that we we believe is to be brash right uh it's it's just not, it's it's quite the contrast to big ash right it's it's a it's a it's a bigger it's a big ship and we're you know steering it slowly we're growing slowly or i guess at the at the pace that we want to grow i should say and uh and it's it's i don't know it's it's uh it's 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 a nice change i guess a sure. nice contrast yeah
0: do you guys have Specific teams formed around, and I know innovation is overused, but R and D or customer discovery, or do you feel like there's a sense of ownership for innovation across the board that's pretty flat?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. We do have teams that we do have an R and D group. You know, it's part of my responsibilities, research and development, right? We have uh, we have our own sales group, right? So we've got folks that are out there on the front lines with our customers that are very passionate about. You know them and taking care of them, uh, uh, but I, I guess you know. Although we we all have our own responsibilities in innovation and responsibility, uh, it's it is shared. I would say um, a lot of the opportunities that we focus on and invest in are coming from those front lines, right? And and what their needs are. And there's cases where someone's asking for a faster horse, and we see that, and we're like, ah, you probably need a car, actually, right? So I mean, there's there's those instances right where we're listening uh but we may do something a little bit different um so um yeah it is it is a shared responsibility and 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 I'll say too about that you know part of our culture that that I love so much it's it's a family owned business and that transcends to everyone like we think of ourselves as a family so when we think about and and it's you know that I don't know maybe that's cliche but it, it's real it's true Only if it's like, not true yeah we, sure. we really we really do look out for one another and we do think for one another and uh, and we listen to each other so you know that's uh, that's how we that's how we operate
0: I think what I like about both what you're saying today and things I've heard you say on the corporate innovation roundtable is you guys have such a laser focus on your customer and I think even you guys be your customers as family to an extent yeah um yeah and I think that's where ultimately true innovation comes from, is if you have a pulse on what your customer needs, you can pivot accordingly. Even if that's a slow turning of a big ship, you are intimately aware of their needs and where they're going. And I don't know, I think what... what We want to debunk is this thought that innovation has to only be for tech companies or only if you have access to software developers when it can be some of it can be incremental improvement. And we support that kind of innovation. But breakout ideas can happen that aren't necessarily tech based. A lot of them are these days, to your point, you know. Sky's the limit on what we can do with data anymore um, but I just think that it's such a great example that really what you have to have is a focus on your customer and the end goal
1: less on access to tech right and you know I think for us we you know we understand and acknowledge if you if you look across the segments that we operate in at Bullard where we're the strongest is where we're the closest and most intimate with our customers mm-hmm. and uh, now you know granted we we do serve a lot of niche markets uh, but it's it's there is a strong correlation between intimacy with our customers and success. Right. The segments that we're not as strong in are the ones that were further away. Right. We're we're probably relying more on the competition and what they're doing and and trying to go tit for tat on uh, products and features and, you know, w- with those guys. And when we do that, yeah, OK, that that works sometimes but we're not winning there like we are when we're as customer oriented and customer focused uh, in some of these other segments. So that's really, you know, for us, that's, that's really where we're focused right now is, is understanding those problems, understanding those customers and trying to solve for them.
0: This is more my own curiosity, but what's like one of your strongest products? Obviously the hard hat is what I
1: think of when I think of you guys, but when
0: you're like, we're winning on this piece of protective
1: equipment. Oh, wow. Well, you know, um, I tell you what, um, I know that you probably didn't want to go here, but like we we've got <laughs> at Bullard, we have such a broad portfolio of products, right? It's it's for a small company. We we make a lot of stuff. And that really saved our bacon last year. Like, you know, when when a lot of our there were some some segments of our business just did not do well. And others that went gangbusters due to covid and, and respiratory protection needs and this type of thing. So I think. We, we probably took that for granted before the pandemic. And now we go, oh, wow, that's very important to have a diverse portfolio of products for this company. You had fallback
0: items or right. some security blankets. Right.
1: So there, you know, last year, uh, you know, our respiratory protection products went crazy. This year, like our thermal imaging cameras... Like wow. firefighter products, like those are going gangbusters. So you never know. Interesting.
0: Yeah. You never know. So this is kind of transitions, and one of the last things I want to talk about. Um, I've really been trying to get into trends with a lot of our guests. I think, first of all, it's what I love reading about. Like, what where are things going? That's what we love to talk about. But mm-hmm. What are some trends you guys are saying? And you know, I think offline again, we talked a little bit about COVID, and that can either be what are trends you guys are seeing as a business and how you guys run, or from a product standpoint across the board.
1: Well, uh, great question. I think, you know, we've just, we've learned a lot about ourselves over the past year. Like you, it's great. You think, oh, 123 year old company, you probably know everything there is to know about yourself. And it, But it, we've really learned a lot about ourselves. And I think what we've felt and what we've seen and what we're looking at differently now are uh, our supply chain. And, uh, you know, I think we learned a lot about it and what, you know, we we, we thought of ourselves and pride ourselves in being a lean company. But now we look at it and go, hmm, you know, does that make sense, right? Is that the right model for us? And and how should we be thinking about supply chain inventory management differently in the grand scheme of things, right? Is lean, is that a peanut butter spread across all of our product lines or should we think differently about this versus that, right? So we're thinking about supply chain differently and we're thinking about where our customers are choosing to buy differently, right? Uh, we're a B2B company and uh and honestly we've got a lot of growth opportunity there right we're uh, i'd say uh, that's what's one innovation that we need to make as a company is is being where our customers are choosing to buy and really trying to understand that right um you know what we saw over these past several years and a distribution uh, based model is a lot of the stores close down sales team gets grounded people are looking for new ways to try on products or try things and we weren't there for them right and uh we've got to, we we were spending a lot of time on solving for that right and being with our customers uh when they need us and and how they want to be with us is that a is that sure. a thing i don't know sure yeah
0: it's interesting our one of the entrepreneurs we work with really closely tony schmidt when he's explaining the customer journey he often uh talks about kroger as an example and that the kroger customer journey is not when someone walks into the store it's when they think oh my goodness i'm hungry yeah and that and Kroger, I think, is doing an increasingly great job at, you know, they make meal kits now. You can order from home and not even step foot in. But for you guys, I imagine it's not when someone puts on something. It's when they think, oh, yeah. when they get, you know, get scared and think of what do I need or when they're onboarding a new employee and they need to outfit them out. It's so much earlier than when they're actually needed.
1: No, that's that's true. And, uh, you know, I would say that in terms of like loyalty, um, Wow. I mean, we've got uh, extremely loyal customers, right, that are that want to come back and do come back a lot. And um, I, I think that's a testament to our products and the services that we provide. But you know what? We're probably not front of mind as often with with customers that don't know who we are. Right. Well, we're established in certain areas. But when when the new guy comes in or, uh, you know, there's a, a new business that opens, we're not front of mind. So we do have to think. We're, we're going to focus a lot more on that part of the customer journey, right? We do a great job of that, like ten years, like when they're with our products. But you know, understanding who we are and how to find us, getting the right information that they need, uh, those are those are areas that you know. It, it's funny. It's it, it, startups. You know, maybe that's kind of where they're focused sure. on, right? Uh, but we're kind of on the other end. We've been we've been there. We've got that established, uh, you know, uh, customer base, and we have to figure out how to be again, there for our customers and discoverable and make sure that we have what they're looking for when they need it.
0: Right. You can have an incredible product got to right. be accessible it, to people yeah, as well. Yeah, I don't know
1: about it, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and this has been an absolute pleasure. Um how can people connect with Bullard, find you guys, um who are if, if these people are listening who should find you Are there some firefighters you want to yeah, connect with? Yeah, you know,
1: with? if if there's if you work in a place that or there's safety hazards, come come talk to us. You can find us at bullard.com, www.bullard.com on the World Wide web. <laughs>
0: it's, this, it's this Internet of Things yeah. situation. Uh,
1: yeah, or you can look me up on LinkedIn. Happy to connect with you. Talk we'll, to you.
0: Uh, we'll link both of those in the show notes. So again, Landon, thank you so much. This has been uh, a pleasure. We're really excited for people to hear about it and hopefully have you, have you back sometime. All right, Liz, so. thanks for
1: having me. All Appreciate right. it.
0: Thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you know someone who should be on our show, even if it's you, reach out to us at innovationincubated.com. And while you're on our website, sign up for our newsletter. Lastly, thanks to our sponsor, Apex Software. The right software partner can change everything. So reach out today at apexsoftware.com. Until next time, go team.